0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Yeah,
0: could I have a number three with cheese and um, a large coffee? And does it smell good? Wolfen, down your lunch. <laughs> serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it's
2: time for wolfing down your lunch, which we literally just did during the break. So uh, I feel great. I bet you do. It's not going to feel great in an hour. It's That's time. how pizza works normally. For, but for all the uh, top sports stories in one place, Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron.
3: So, excuse me. According to ESPN's Brian Winhorse, son's forward Cam Johnson underwent surgery today on his right knee, and the timeline for return to the court is one to two months. So, on the long end of that time frame, he could return a week into the. Tw- 2023 calendar year, costing him just about 30 games. What do you think about the reported timeline for Cam Johnson?
2: Uh, I still have flashbacks when I hear timeline and suns in the same sentence. It really freaks me out, Kellen. Bender. Especially if it's hashtag timeline. But, um, and
3: he can even breathe fire, Kellen.
2: See, look at Ooh. that. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> what was that? That sounded like a very confused horse. Ooh! <laughs> I'm even more confused now. I'll stop doing that. I'm (laughs) sorry. I think you just need to do it periodically throughout Uh, all shows. That had to be a horrible listening experience. I apologize, everyone. Uh, That was our, actually, tagline for the show to start the day. I don't... The one to two months doesn't bother me as much. Yesterday, I was concerned. We're talking about, like... Two to three months, you know, maybe even a little bit longer. And if you're telling me that Cam Johnson is going to miss like 50 of these games, I think it's a problem because I think of the guys in the starting lineup, he needs those games more than anybody. I know the counter is DeAndre Ayton needs them for his development too, but I think DA kind of is what he is and he's ahead of Cam. Uh, Cam, I think, needs these games. If he's going to miss at most 30, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't like it though. I'm glad Aaron looked up the number though. 30
1: games, that, that is a lot of, of games. And that's to the point where they could fall a couple spots in the sand. I thought that they were going to have the best record in the league, and I thought they were going to be the number one team in the West. But now I am definitely not as sure, and I start to worry about a 3-4 seed where you can look at playing a team like Minnesota, New Orleans, Dallas, and, and all those teams pose serious threats to them in the first round immediately. It's, it's concerning.
3: So... Brian Winhorst's story on ESPN said that Cam Johnson's injury does not change anything about Jay Crowder's status with the Suns. He said, quote, there are no current plans for him to return to the team, unquote. Are you surprised by that?
2: Um, I wouldn't say like... No, I mean, just because of the way things are trending, but I I think that 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 pretty much is it then. If he's not going to come back now, he's not coming back. And I was, I think this show, we were, you know, we were one of the shows holding out the hope of, hey, maybe there's like a 5% chance that they can patch this up, and that was before Cam got hurt. Now Cam gets hurt, and you're still not calling him, or he's still not calling you, or whatever it is. I, I don't think he's playing another game for the Suns.
1: No, I mean we don't know what the pie chart looks like In terms of how much of this had to do with the starting lineup How much of it had to do with the potential contract extension How much of it had to do with whatever There's got to be else something happened. else, right? There's got to be something else, it's it's something else Now how much of it does it, is it 50% of this? 100% of this? 5% of this? I have no idea But there's too much here And then on the other end of it I don't know why the team would be accepting of him After he, <clears throat> for lack of a better like term like he, he He's doing what's best for him but he quit on him like he, he quit on this team, that's what he did
2: Yeah
3: Last night, Chris Paul left the Suns game against the Sixers due to right heel soreness. After the game, CP3 told AZ Central's Dwayne Rankin that he could have played through the injury and confirmed it was about being cautious. Paul added he's not that worried about it. So if Paul's not worried, are you worried?
2: Yeah, because Chris Paul not being worried about it doesn't mean anything. Look, if... if Seriously, if he says he's not that worried about it and he ends up missing, like, you know, the games this week or something and misses Wednesday and Friday, okay, big deal. Uh, It's a long season. Chris Paul doesn't need those games the way I think Cam Johnson does. But I pretty much hate-watched the last half of that game last night, Kellen, and then was pleasantly surprised to see DeAndre Ayton come back in to the game because in the second half I was like, okay, Cam Johnson, we just got the torn meniscus surgery news. Chris Paul's not back. At that point, D.A. wasn't back. They were losing and ultimately did lose, but D.A. came back. And although the DA wasn't great when he came back.
1: I, I would not be concerned about the starting lineup. I, I think Campaign has always proven to be really, really good when he fills in for Chris Paul. Everyone remembers the Western Conference Finals, of course. But even last regular season when Cam didn't have that good of a year, he was fantastic when he was in for Chris Paul during those games when he missed it with the thumb. I'm just worried about the depth behind that and how much it affects the second unit, which has been really good to start the year.
3: So I guess the theme of today's Wolf and Down Your Lunch are injuries because the Suns aren't the only team that is dealing with injuries. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reported yesterday that Cardinals All-Pro Safety Buda Baker suffered a high ankle sprain. Also, the hope is Baker returns in two or three weeks based on the severity. It was any other guy on the defense. No, I'm just kidding. Don't want any players injured on the defense. But... How do you think this will impact how the Cardinals play on defense? Because that side of the ball has really performed well there's over the last couple weeks.
2: No way it helps. There's there's no way to spin a Buda Baker injury as, as anything but devastating, honestly. Kellen, and you had the stat, what was it before? He, he's played 38 straight regular season games? 59 of his last 60. <laughs> Uh, he does so much that you don't even see. What like If, if you're just watching the game on TV, you see Buddha Baker come in and make tackles that were other guys' tackles, but they didn't make the tackle, so Buddha came in and made it. But you don't see all the other stuff he does because it's out of frame and, and how much better he makes everybody on this defense, which has, oddly enough, been the backbone of their team this season. Uh, if they don't have him for two or three weeks, especially considering who they're playing, good luck.
1: A lot of emphasis on the front seven for me. I think J.J. Watt and Zach Allen have have shown just the ability this year. I think um, Zayman Collins and Isaiah Simmons have the potential to. I think one of the kind of underrated storylines of the last six weeks has just been their ability to get comfortable and be productive and impactful players. Now can we see them in the second half of the season use that foundation to be those top 10, top 15 level picks that we've seen uh, in terms of just the amount of improvement we could see from them going forward. I'm, I'm looking at that front seven more than just the direct replacement for Baker himself.
3: Our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com and it asks who should get the most blame for the Cardinals 3-6 and six start to the season? your choices, Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, or other?
1: Okay, so I think- Great poll question, by the way. Fantastic. Whoever wrote that it? is a genius. Oh. oh my God. The way it was worded, the way it told a story in such a short amount of time, the, the
2: options, the diversity of it? Before we vote, we have to also predict what the percentage is, okay? I'm going to guess Cliff's 77%. Oh, no. Cliff's going to be in the 90s. 100%. You think? Not, a, not 100%. 90%. I think you're doubting the Kyler Murray haters out there. No, Cliff. I'm going to say Cliff is at 91% of the vote all
3: right but what are your answers Uh,
2: who's the most blame i actually kind of absolve for this season i mean the depth is is a draft issue but he put together good if if you think cliff isn't doing enough with the talent then you think kind gave him enough talent so i i'd say it's it's i think it's about 60 40 cliff to kyler but i guarantee you the audience is well into the 90s for cliff
1: I'm 70 30 with that, and I agree on Kime just because the defense was where I had so many questions, and they've performed well. He proved me wrong on that end of the field for sure.
3: So, 51% say Cliff Kingsbury, 25% say Kyler Murray, 22% say Steve Kime, 3% say Other. Maybe it should be more positive.
0: Yeah, what,
1: are the three percent like DeAndre for failing his drop yeah, test? <laughs> like, what's, what's the other?
3: <laughs> or <laughs> Kellen for putting down the other option?
2: That's true. That's what they tell me to do. It's a requirement. Who are okay. they? You always listen to they? My bosses, my superiors. You have no boss. Wow, I'm I am legitimately stunned that it's only fifty one percent Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm not saying it should be higher. In fact, that kind of breaks down to what I what I think it actually is. I'm just I'm stunned. Cardinals fans, any Cardinals fans on Twitter. All they talk about is Firing Cliff. Fifty-one percent. Interesting. All right, that was Wolf and Down your lunch. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, as always, text Devils to six twenty six twenty for your chance to win VIP field and tailgate passes to see ASU take on the Oregon State Beavers, courtesy of Bar S. That's Devils to six twenty six twenty. We come back. Are the Suns relying on Devin Booker and Mikael Bridges too much in the regular season? It's Wolf and Luke, but Kellen Olsen is filling in for Wolf today on Arizona Sports, the local
0: sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.
2: Back to the show. Kellen Olsen is in for Wolf today. It is Wolf and Luke on this Tuesday now afternoon, following a Suns, a rare Suns loss. Seven and three of the season, an extremely rare Suns loss that didn't involve the Portland Trailblazers, Kellen. And even more rare when you consider that Phoenix only managed eighty-eight points in the game, which is not uh, not not a part of the uh, the scoring spectrum they typically dabble in. They <laughs> are if you look at their numbers. The first seven games of the season before Cam Johnson got hurt, the lowest they had scored in a game was 107. And in the three games since Cam Johnson, counting the one he got hurt in, the highest they've scored is 106. So how's that for a—are <laughs> you looking confused by my beautiful mind math or whatever you just did to the microphone? Both. Okay, it's good. Move on. Yeah, well, I've moved on. That's my point. I'm good for the rest of the You shouldn't have brought it up. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, it's too late. Everybody everybody heard it. Nobody I'm not making time. eye contact with you. Keep talking. That's it. That's uh, they, they are scoring a lot less without Cam Johnson. 20 points per game less. And uh, and their lowest with Cam was 107. Their highest without him is 106.
1: Can I tell you what I didn't like from this game out of everything else? The result. Two, two numbers. 43 and 44. That okay. is the minutes that Devin Booker and McElbridge just played in this game. I... Did not expect us to get our wish here in terms of load management and Chris Paul being on a certain minutes, restrict, not a minutes restriction, but playing a lot more games, 30 minutes or less than, than we maybe would expect. Uh, I, I thought we could get something like that, but more so just limiting... Booker played the entire second half of this game, and you and I were talking about this during show prep. Nearly every possession was going through him, and it was going through him trying to get to the basket because what Philadelphia defensively was doing is they were really containing space in like the mid-range area. The Suns oftentimes will have someone else bring the the ball up, mainly Chris Paul, and then they'll run off-ball motion to set up Devin Booker where the possession really actually starts. It doesn't actually start with the ball getting brought up a lot of the time. Philly was containing all of that stuff, and then they were also containing driving lanes as much as they could. So Devin Booker was on his front, front, front foot to try and get into the lane. And then it felt like I was in 2017 again, where the Suns are down 10 to 15 points, and Devin Booker is single-handedly doing everything in his power, scoring 14 of his 28 in the third quarter, to have this kind of be a ball game going into the fourth quarter. That's exactly what he did. He is in incredible physical shape. I don't think Devin Booker gets talked enough about that enough, just how great of shape he is in and how it reflects in his game, just how much he's able to go full bore all the time. But with that being said, I can't imagine it's a great idea to have these guys have their minute totals in the 40s at every now and then even is all I'm saying. It just We're in November. You're playing Philly on the road. This game was already kind of lost as it was, and... The, the totals for me have just, have, have just been a little concerning and it just kind of goes back to our whole discussion in the offseason with the team and one of them kind of being going into training camp. We were all pretty convinced by what we were hearing from Monty Williams that they were going to prioritize Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson a whole lot more in this offense. Let them handle the ball a yeah. lot more. We've seen Chris Paul be passive, but we haven't seen him off of the ball as much necessarily and through three games I wrote that story that you guys talked about on your show about Devin Booker being more aggressive as a driver and and like the stats with dribbles per touch and stuff that is not what I'm okay with this turning into if Chris Paul less just means even more of Devin Booker Luka, Luka Doncic on the Mavericks, he is worn down in three straight post-seasons now. He's eventually had some injuries start to bug him in the playoffs, and that's because his usage rate is absolutely insane. If that's what we're heading for with Booker yeah. right now, that can't happen. So to me, the minute totals and just the usage of the guys, they have to start prioritizing Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Eden more, or they're going to run into the same problems. And then also, these guys have been through two, th- three, quite honestly, three really, really long seasons. So to have these minute totals there... I'll say this, the Suns have their numbers, they have their analytics, they have their athletic testing, all this kind of stuff indicates that these numbers are okay for them, I'm sure. But I'm still, that doesn't prevent me from
2: being skeptical about it still. And just the usage for Booker, seeing how much he's pushing it, I just it's November. Yeah, well, that's that's the fine line, right? I mean, I, do I think the Suns are going to lose a Game 7 in the first round and we're all going to look back and be, well, that's because Devin Booker played 43 minutes on November 7th. I mean, it, we're so far away from the playoffs that him doing this last night doesn't have to be... The worst thing in the world. I wouldn't I don't I didn't like it either. I mean, I sat there, like you said, watched the second half. And as I said, I, I hate watch the second half and somewhere in the middle of my anger I was like, Why is Devin Booker still out there? Why is Devin Booker doing everything in a game that they're down by thirteen again? Um, I think the the key is how do you how do you even this out over the course of the season? And it's a tough spot when it's Booker because A, I'm sure he doesn't like coming off the floor, but you're Monty Williams, you gotta you know, obviously you're the coach. But B, he's not the easiest guy in the world to replace, you know, where it's like, okay, well, if Chris Paul's not out there, we're going to bring in campaign. Campaign's not as good as Chris Paul, but he's somebody, who is, who's your backup Devin Booker? It's a bunch of guys doing a bunch of like adding on extra responsibilities. I'm not saying you can't do it. And I agree with you. They're going to have to do it because just because Devin Booker is in freakishly athletic shape and can do this doesn't mean you need to do it. You don't need to drive your car all the way down till there's one mile left before you run out of gas. You can actually get gas when you have like a mile like a quarter of a tank left if it wasn't seventeen dollars a gallon.
1: And if you spend these twenty to thirty games without Cam Johnson trying your absolute hardest to win every game in this kind of way, I just don't think that's ultimately going to be productive, and they're not going to improve as much as they would if they tried to incorporate other parts of the offense, and just tried to make Mikel Bridges and DeAndre more of a focal point in it, and then those two guys as well just need to assert themselves much more. Mikel Bridges, like, at the end of the day, you look at it, he had 15 points on 6 of 12 shooting, you think he was decent, and then everyone else really struggled outside of him and Booker, but he, he had six or 3 of those buckets in the last 3 minutes of the game when the game was already decided, and he was was mostly invisible in his offensive role. He was spectacular defensively as always, but that's the point in the, his career he is at now. the standards should be high enough for those that don't really know the numbers he's he shot 79 percent at the rim last year that is higher than a whole lot of centers who are a lot bigger than him and shoot closer to the rim a lot more than he does and he put those numbers up in the mid range we've all, all all we've always seen him have that kind of touch but he doubled his attempts he went from i think 143 to 301 last year and his percentage went from 49 to 51. He shot even better with those reps. And then from three, we've known this for two, three years now, he's an excellent three-point shooter. So the numbers and the efficiency are there, and the talent is there for Mikel to not only be arguably the best defensive player in the league, He can put up 20 points per game in the league right now. I believe he has that type of skill set and the talent to do it. It's just a matter of him having an aggressive mindset and the team looking for him more because I think DeAndre is very obvious, but I think people kind of don't realize how good of an offensive player Mikel is. It's just a matter of him channeling it more consistently. He's averaging 15 a game right now, which is fine and everything, but right now during the stretch, if I I had one thing I wanted to see with Cam Johnson out more than anything else, it's Mikel Bridges averaging 18 to 20 points per game during the stretch because I think
2: he has a talent. To do that was the game last year. Was it game five against New Orleans? He dominated. Yeah, and it I, was
1: it was all the defensive stuff. And then I think he had twenty seven. I want to say thirty one. Yeah, he was amazing.
2: That, and we're actually ironically going to have Brian Windhorst uh, join us next hour. I'm ninety nine point nine percent certain it was Brian Windhorst who we had on the show after that game who said, "Hey, if Mikkel Bridges can play like that." You basically have the best player in the league. <laughs> if he can score and play, if he can put up 30 and play the defense that he always plays, you have the most dangerous player in the NBA if he could do it consistently. And, you know, obviously it's challenged to do it consistently because as in good of shape as I'm sure Mikel Bridges is, he's uh, he's using a lot of energy on the defensive side of the floor. But, man... I'm with you. If if you want to get Mikael Bridges up into like the low 20s and points per game, and he doesn't sacrifice anything defensively, which I I think instinctually he can't sacrifice things defensively, um, yeah, that would be a good development. Remember the
1: New Orleans game, the Twins game that Booker, Paul, Aiden didn't do much, and Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges were spectacular, and that's all they needed. That's yeah.
2: what they're going to need in April and May. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, the Rams are struggling this season, so how can the Cardinals take advantage of those struggles? It's Wolf and Luke, Kellen Olson in for Wolf today on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. leader.
2: might not feel like it right now, but uh, Kellen, Sunday's game is actually one of the more winnable ones the Cardinals have had in a while. Not the one that just happened. They already lost that one. The one that's coming up against the Rams, who, yes, they won the Super Bowl last year. They have lost four of their last five. The only win in there was against Carolina. Their only wins all season have been against Carolina, Atlanta, a game they almost lost. And Arizona, and that's only because Arizona couldn't score any touchdowns. The Rams are three and five on the season. Their offense is extremely unbalanced. It's it's their offense even more now than at the start of the season is just Cooper Cup. And if you don't believe me, here are their stats from the game against Tampa. On I'm Saturday. ready. Okay. The Rams had 165 passing yards. Not a lot on 13 catches. So that right there, 13 completions for Matthew Stafford, not ideal. We need to get Dan Orlovsky on to talk about how great those 13 completions were, though. 13 of 27. Those 13 completions for 165 yards, eight of them for 127 yards went to Cooper Cup. They are just Cooper Cup on offense now. This team sucks right now. Uh, They're really bad,
1: Luke. In the fourth quarter this year, they have been outscored 71 to 10. 71 to 10 in that bucks loss they did not have a first down in the 4th quarter not one that seems like an issue <laughs> This really uh, young upstart football writer on ArizonaSports.com last season by the name of Kellen Olson wrote mm-hmm. a primer for the Rams heading into the wildcard game. And what I wrote about with Matthew Stafford was the up and down year that he had. He looked like an MVP candidate halfway through the year. And then the second half of the year, things really fell off. I found some interesting numbers from other sites that were just kind of, what's going wrong, what's working for him. And what I found that really lended itself well towards the kind of postseason that he had was that Stafford was the best fourth quarter quarterback in the NFL last Last year, and it was not close. He led the league in passer rating. All these stats are in the fourth quarter. Led the league in passing, passer rating 126.4. His completion percentage was 71.6. In 17 fourth quarters, he had 12 touchdowns and zero interceptions. So that 71 to 10 number. You're probably guessing that those Stafford fourth quarter numbers have not held up this year, and you are correct. He has not thrown a touchdown in the fourth quarter this year. He has four interceptions. His passer rating, again, last year in the fourth quarter, 126.4. This year, 65.1.
2: Oh my goodness! You so, don't often cut your passer rating in half. All look, of his passer rating went to Geno Smith. This
1: look, year. you can be you can be stick to basketball. Kellen Olson, stick to basketball. Oh, yeah, I forgot. To if there's that. one bit of football analysis you want to take away from me today, is that the Cardinals just need to get this game to the fourth quarter. They need to be in a position where the game is up for grabs in the fourth quarter because Matthew Stafford has been completely inept and just terrible in the fourth quarter so far. And this team has scored ten points in the fourth quarter and is. Given up 71.
2: Stick to basketball, Kellen. Just, just get it to it the fourth quarter. Else. Just
1: be within seven to ten points in the fourth quarter and then let this team just screw up. That's the thing. The Saints game, Andy Dalton just kept throwing picks. Great. We can win football games like that. I don't care. Look, if Kyler Murray throws for 500 yards and seven touchdowns, I'd prefer those kind of wins, but they're all the same. I don't care if it's Matthew Stafford tripping over himself in the fourth quarter for three
2: safeties. Like, I, whatever. Whatever whatever works. I'm 100% Throw the you. ball right to Davin Collins, Geno Smith. I don't care. That's I, fine. I think the Cardinals have actually scored more first quarter points than the Rams have fourth quarter points this season. Or it's, it's even.
1: 71 to 10. 71 Isn't that crazy? They won the it's Super Bowl good. last year, yeah,
2: Luke. Yeah, that feels like a thousand years ago. And Matthew Stafford has not been good this year. Not even just not in the fourth quarter. He's got eight touchdowns, eight interceptions. If you've watched any Rams games... Games. He throws a couple up for grabs every game. Uh, he was doing that last year, too, but he was he was making up for it in other parts of the game. The Rams as a team, offensively, it's the LA Rams we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This is not like the Colorado State Rams. Yeah. The LA Rams, 31st in the NFL in yards per game, <laughs> like act- like offensive yards per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of points per game, they are 29th. So that's good. Um, so
3: here is Sean McVay. From Sunday about them making changes to the offense.
0: Changes have to be made. Adjustments have to be made. Um, We can't continue to go on like this. And, um, you know, what that looks like, I don't necessarily have the exact answers right now. Um, You know, and what I don't want to have anything be misunderstood is that I'm not in this with those guys. I'm a big part of this. I have to do better. Um, We're going to stay connected throughout this, but we do have to be able to look inward and, and figure out what are some of the solutions, changes adjustments, different things that we have to do to be able to get different results and different production from our offense.
2: You know, <laughs> what he just said right there, some of this is very familiar. you got to change something if you're the Rams. Yeah. The Cardinals need to change something. We'll get back to the Cardinals in a second, because... As bad as the Cardinals' offense has been here. This is what I want everybody to do, okay? Close your eyes and visualize how bad the Cardinals' offense has been, okay? Unless you're driving. Uh, so, Kellen's doing it
1: right now. Kellen's... What is the percentage of people like me who can afford to close their eyes right now while they're listening? This is a terrible idea,
2: Kellen.
0: Again, the eyes open I if you're on the care. road, yes. for goodness sake. Just please, please. My, my eyes are still
2: closed. Go ahead. In fact, if you're driving, don't even think about the Cardinals' Okay, offense. now I'm starting to get, like, dizzy with how long my eyes are closed Yeah, for. that was Let's the whole go. exercise. There Come on. The Cardinals' offense is averaging 22.6 points per game this year. The Cardinals is a team. Some of That is the defense scoring. But the Cardinals are averaging 22.6 points per game this season, okay? Think about how that offense has looked. The Rams are averaging 16.4 points per game this season.
1: Can I open my eyes now? Yes. Wow. What a stat. (laughs) That was so... Didn't it hit home more because your eyes were closed? Yeah, my senses were all over the place because that's the longest I had my eyes closed, not trying to sleep in a really long time. Yeah. I really like soaked in the information. Yeah. That was great. You really kind of, yeah. I'm glad we're focusing on the Rams offense more so in this segment just because I think that's what it's really going to come down to because what terrifies the living crap out of me is the interior offensive line of the Cardinals against the best interior no point in about defensive that. linemen of all time being there. About that. That's kind of concerning. Like this definitely might be a nine to six game and the Cardinals need to. have the nine points that situation which they could to be clear I think that their defense is just going to have to be huge in this game because I have concerns about what Donald is going to do that interior defensive line and and I'm sure he's just chomping at the bitches and all that kind of stuff
2: here's my level of concern of what Aaron Donald's going to do to the Cardinals beat up offensive line I'm going to close my eyes during the game when the Cardinals are on offense. That's that's how I'm going to watch it. Uh, Here's Cliff Kingsbury talking about how much the Rams have
0: struggled. I wouldn't say solace. I just think you understand. um, You know, sometimes it is a battle attrition, and you got to find ways to to win games no matter what. Um, And and it's it's a tough league, and um, it's part of our job to figure out how to maximize the guys we got out there.
2: This is definitely one of those games, uh, and I talked about this last week after the Minnesota loss. You know, To me, the Minnesota loss, okay, you don't want to lose it, and, and the way they lost it wasn't ideal, but it was a one-score loss on the road to a good team. Uh, you have to win these games earlier in the season, like the Rams game that you should have won. The Rams aren't good right now. They scored 20 points on you in that first meeting of the season. You couldn't beat them. That's the sort of win you need to bank for when you go out there and lose to Minnesota or for some reason keep losing to Seattle, and they didn't. And so now we come full circle here, Kellen, The Rams' offense has been miserable this year outside of Cooper Cup, who the Cardinals actually relatively shut down when they played. But I don't know if the Cardinals have the pieces right now to take advantage of it. They're talking about their defense. Okay, well, yeah, the Rams got Aaron Donald. The Cardinals have Buda Baker. Except the Cardinals don't have Buda Baker this week.
1: It's, yeah, I mean, it's it feels like it's so much of the game. It's crazy how fast things change in, in sports I, across all of them, the NFL in particular, just because you think about this Rams and this Rams offense and how many weapons it had. Like you looked at Cup you, Woods Cooks a couple of years ago, and now it's just Cup. I was huge on the train for Allen Robinson in this offense, and it has not worked out at all he looks completely lost and everyone who was downplaying the i, I was up, up playing i was up playing the, the quarterback play for him in his career jacksonville chicago i was like oh he's with it and now stafford's been terrible of course so the theory continues, but with that being said, how Cooper Cup centric this offense is is kind of crazy to think about. Just because they had Woods, they had Cooks, like they've been able to use Van Jefferson effect- effectively in the past, and now
2: it's just it just seems like it's this guy or nothing. He has looked all season the way Robbie Anderson has looked since he got to the Cardinals. And that's and. The Cardinals, as it turns out, are counting on Robbie Anderson, but like the Rams reminds me of AJ Green, too.
1: It just seems like they have this this guy who they can use in a certain way, but they he doesn't look like he knows what he's supposed to be doing and they don't look
2: like they know how they're supposed to be using him. It's all over the place. It's really weird. The Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction are coming to the Footprint Center for the Spirits on Fire tour November 18th. Head to the contest page now on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. We come back. All right, how do things look around the NFC after week nine? It's Wolf and Luke, Kellen Olson, in for Wolf on Arizona
0: Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
2: It is the Wolf and Luke show. Luke Lipinski here. Kellen Olsen to my rights. Pretending to be Wolf for four hours. Here, no one
1: can on. do that. No. I think if anyone pretended to be Wolf for four hours, that would be the end of them forever. I
2: think you would either pass out or actually turn into Wolf.
1: My favorite Bobby Hurley quote ever is that when he was talking about him being a lunatic on the sidelines and just how, how nervous he was during one of their games, he was like... I wouldn't wish on my worst yeah. enemy for someone to be inside my body
2: and that's how I feel just about the energy that Wolf brings. Trying to match that energy, good luck. Especially for four hours. So here's Kellen Olsen being his own person sitting to my right. Is that better? Sure. All right, there you go. It's probably healthier for you. Sounds nice. You brought up this uh, this... I don't know if it's a stat. What I don't know. You came in here with all Jeez, these numbers. the segment. The Cardinals still have a shot, Luke. They're <laughs> still in it. it. was. I don't know that I believe that. The math it was does not like, lie. You came in with the equation from Goodwill Hunting, and you like <laughs> filled it out in front of all of us. Great like, movie. What does that mean? Uh, you found a way where the Cardinals are still in this. And not don't say like, found a way. They're still in it. Well, yeah, okay. You f- and not just like, a, hey, mathematically. I mean, mathematically, yeah, if, if they win these games, Houston could still make the playoffs. You found an actual way where, like, if you look at it, they're not really that far out of a playoff spot. Now, they will be if they okay, play like Explain
1: it this. to the people with the standings up right now, because
2: people who don't have the standings up in front of them driving right now are confused. Okay, so um, you probably should explain this, but basically, if you look at the NFC, you got the Eagles at 8-0, the Vikings at 7-1, and the Cowboys, Giants at 6-2, and and the Seahawks at 6-3. and So that's five of your seven playoff teams. Let's just say, let's say those five get in, okay? Mm-hmm. After that, you've got nine teams that have either three or four wins. So, and the Cardinals are one of them.
1: One of them has to win the NFC South. That's the four and five Bucks and Falcons, the three and six Saints, the Buccaneers.
2: The Buccaneers are going to win the South. Fair enough. Done.
1: So, but then after that, there's one spot up for grabs between the four and five Commanders, the three and six Packers and Bears. Again, those four and five Bucks and Falcons, the three and six Saints, the four and four Niners, the three and five
2: Rams, and the three and six Cardinals. So this ultimately showed me a couple things that I don't think you were trying to have it show me. Mm -hmm. One, it reminded me how irritating it is that the Cardinals are 0-2 against the Seahawks, because if they just win one of those games against the Seahawks, they're in a pretty good spot. Two, it just made me believe the Rams still have a chance to make the playoffs. And three, I made the mistake of scrolling further down the standings and realized the Cardinals are only a half game ahead of Detroit. I don't know if that's what you were going for.
1: Okay, let's do the obvious conversation first. The Bucks win the NFC South, and the, and the Niners get this last spot, right? Yeah, it, it. it feels like the that's Niners it. are the outlier
2: here. That's why you had to beat the Seahawks, because yeah. the Seahawks are the team that you should have been able to catch, and if you had beaten them both times, certainly you'd, the Seahawks would be done yeah. if the Cardinals had beaten them twice.
1: I'm surprised you haven't caught on to my ruse yet here, because I'm not actually Kellen. I'm optimistic Kellen here. I swapped him out. I'm here to tell you. The Cardinals still have a chance. Look, we need a Here's name the thing for Okay. Here's the, no no no. You're not getting here, Here's the you thing: you should be
2: Olsen Kellen when you're optimistic.
1: This is their schedule the rest of the way. Okay. Okay. Those teams remember them. They play the Rams this week. Okay. Loser leaves town. A great wrestling sort of angle that they always do. Yes. This is probably the loser leaves town match. The team that loses this game probably can't make the playoffs. Maybe the Rams still have a way because they're better as a team, but I, I don't think so. I think I whoever loses this team game. is probably out of it. Okay, Next week, they play the Niners. The team we just mentioned, again... After that, we've got the oh, Chargers. So oh, the, the no, problem no, no. is,
2: you do have to beat the Niners. I know, I know. Okay, I'm ahead.
1: saying that they get to control their fate, hey, though. Here, that's mm-hmm. the problem. Like the four and five commanders, who I believe, if I'm looking at this right, I am looking at it right. They have the third toughest schedule the rest of the way. Okay, they, like they're in a very challenging position, and they're not having many games against these these teams left. The, the Cardinals, by virtue of being in the NFC West and having a couple of these games against Tampa and Atlanta as well, do so they play the Niners, then they play the Chargers, who have not exactly put it together this year. Again, we looked at the second half of the season. I said, you need to have at least five wins after the Seattle game because of how daunting the second half of the schedule is. But now you look at it halfway through the season – New England after the bye? I guess. It's not as, and it's not Belichick coming off of a bye. The only reason the Cardinals aren't the biggest mess in the NFL right now is because the Denver Broncos exist. They play them on the 18th of December after New England. Then they get Tampa, Atlanta, and San Francisco to end the year. Look, Luke, if they win three or four of those games, I know it's a big stretch to say the least. They control their fate in the last three weeks because they're probably going to be battling with Atlanta or more, more realistically, far more realistically, San Francisco. It could be a game on the 18th where that's the the Sunday night game where it's like one of these teams gets in the playoffs, the other one doesn't. Whoever wins the game gets in, whoever doesn't. That could be the game right there. So I'm just saying, sometimes there's not even a path in this kind of situation, but there is. Now, how these things always work, Luke, is you look at this and Optimus Kellen, he left the room. Goodbye, everyone wave goodbye to Optimus Kellen. Bye, bye you Kellen. Know, re- regular Kellen is back. The thing that happens with this is that two or three of these teams are going to get hot. Not all of these teams are just going to suck the entire time. San Francisco is going to get hot. So is that your pick? Is there anyone else you want to go? I really want to say the Bears at 3-6, and six, but because Justin Fields was incredible yeah, on fun. Sunday.
2: Did you see that stat? He had more rushing yards as a quarterback in a game than everybody except, I think, Colin Kaepernick did it once. And they're talking in, about the Super the Bowl era. Yeah, in the playoffs yeah. ever. yeah. In the regular season, the most by a quarterback ever in a game. And it was a very good game by Justin Fields, but I'm just surprised that was the most ever rushing yards, ever. He he
1: looks completely dynamic. He's really turned the corner in the last month, but the Bears had a fire sale on their defense the last two years. Khalil Mack and then Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith before the... The deadline, and then I mean the defining possessions of the game was a ball that Justin Fields threw perfectly to his receiver that literally went right through his hands, and he's just dealing with a lot of ineptitude around him. So I'm not going to say the Bears, but is there anyone else here besides the Niners that you want to? Are you are you still believing in Aaron Rodgers at three and six? Are yeah. you are you in on the commanders? I saw
2: something this morning, and I think I think I was here already, and so we didn't have to sound up, but the the tagline across the bottom of the screen was, "Should the Packers move on to Jordan Love?" So um a. No, and that's idiotic. Okay, the so Green Niners Mates not coming back.
1: Niners we coast by. Who's the second other team you're watching for your Cardinals fans need the teams to watch for right now in the next couple of weeks in the standings? Who else are you looking at well, besides Well, I think realistically cuz we just assume the Bucks are winning the NFC South. Okay, then then maybe Atlanta. Atlanta's kind of oddly okay. Only a minus eight point differential this year. Not as bad as you would expect. Four and five. They really let that
2: game against the Chargers slip away. The Cardinals literally dropped the ball and cost them the game. He dropped the game. Yeah. Yeah. Dropped the entire game. Cardinals Chargers when they play do you think they just cancel the first quarter since (laughs) one of those teams show up and just be like it's like an intentional walk in baseball like let's not waste everybody's time we'll just start in the second. Maybe the Rams. I mean I'll give them the respect that they won the Super Bowl last year but to me it's pretty clear cut it's going to be the 49ers and I don't think there is another team in this group. Group. Who do you, do you like? Anybody I, out of that group? I feel like the Saints have enough talent, but they're
1: in the same kind of. The, I'm putting the Saints and the Rams together, and the they have enough talent on their team to like turn it around and be above 500 by the end of the year. Did you watch the Saints last night? No.
2: Okay. Because mm, you were watching the Sun, so I already knew the yeah. answer to that question. Am I wrong on their defense though? Their defense has the names. They their defense isn't bad. I mean, we're not talking about a Super Bowl contender needs to come out of this group. We're talking about a team that can win what, maybe even eight games? Eight games might get you in in the NFC in that final playoff. Spot. By the way, since I have the numbers in front of me, Packers have
1: the hardest schedule left in the league. Their opponents' combined record right now, 40 and 26. The Commanders have the third hardest schedule. Cardinals' 11th easiest schedule, but a couple of teams in front of them. Falcons' second easiest schedule. Bucks fourth easiest schedule. That's because they play in the NFC South. And they have A lot of NFC South uh, teams left. The Saints are in there with the top 10 easy schedule as well as the 49ers because, again, they play in the NFC South and the nfc west so some
2: some interesting dichotomy there in terms of the schedule too the only thing and and i'm not trying to poke holes in what you're saying but the thing i cannot get past and, and i'm not joking like looking at this showed me how close the cardinals are to the lions and it's a reminder that if the season ended today the cardinals would be picking eighth in the draft that's it's ridiculous that they're still in it but they are still in it. I mean, Wolf was saying this yesterday, and I was just kind of looking at him like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but they have to actually win the games. But he, he is right. If they could beat the Rams on Sunday, and the Rams' offensive line's a mess, too, if, and they could beat the 49ers if they just win those two games, and I don't think they will beat the 49ers. I don't know that they have much of a chance against the 49ers, although they have Jimmy Garoppolo, so I guess anything's possible. They would be right back in it.
1: The two biggest, wins would get you right back in. It. The biggest surprise this season to me is that they have had a, a defense that is good enough for them to get into the playoffs and win games in the playoffs. In my opinion, it's just a matter of the offense. Look, if we get what we, if we get seventy percent of what we expected from the offense to enter the year, they could still make a run at this. That's all they need. But yeah. we're, we have seen ten percent of that offense five. So and and Cliff and Kyler is regressed. I, I, so it, there's again there are reasons to be optimistic, but at the same time.
2: Doesn't that make it more frustrating? Because, yes. Because yes. the reasons to be optimistic about the Cardinals don't have anything to do with the Cardinals. Mm. It's that Green Bay is mediocre this year and that the Rams are mediocre this year and the Tampa's just kind of eh. And the NFC is, if the Cardinals were in the AFC, we wouldn't even be, this wouldn't even be a conversation. Now, it is a conversation because they are still in it. But they're only in it because of what other teams around them are doing. You'll take that. If they wake up this week and start winning, who cares how they were still in it? Cardinals have scored 72 more points than the Rams. To back to your point again about how bad the Rams
1: have been. That's...
3: So, Howard Balzer just sent me a text message and wanted me to pass along this information. So, the Rams' offensive line is in worse shape than the Cardinals. They've had seven different combinations in eight games, and they started their fifth right guard on Sunday. (laughs) Yeah.
2: This is going to be an ugly game. We need you, J.J. Watt. We need you, buddy. That's the thing. This is the thing more than ever. We need you, buddy. The problem is this game sounds like a game where just a really great defensive player can win it for you. And I'm not saying the Cardinals don't have any with that upside, but Buda Baker's not playing, and J.J. Watt at this point in his career is not Aaron Donald. That's the problem is the Rams have Aaron Donald. Well, we can double team Aaron Donald. Donald Oh wait. Von Miller's over there. Von well, Miller's all the way in Buffalo. We have to deal with him. Oh,
1: I'm, I'm thinking I'm of Bobby thinking Wagner. Of, I'm thinking of Bobby Wagner. I'm it's, so sorry. I was bound to crack eventually. It
2: doesn't. It, it, <laughs> with the way the offensive line played on Sunday, it doesn't matter who the Rams have. All right, we are ten games in. What are your biggest questions for the Suns right now? We're going to tell you ours next. In Suns three-pointer, it's Wolf and Luke Kellen Olson filling in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.